I'm going to argue with Jason that there's no such thing as a double switcheroo. Eh, Frank's a loser. Lodero. So I officially hate like 94% of Atlanta fans. Guys, I'm going to make you set down your teacups and take your pinky fingers and put them back into the fist that they need to be in because this has gotten far too cordial. I lost to the freaking cat team. Just a whisker. A whisker of a loss. Was that a rational RSL take from Jason? Hey, I, I, I'm probably the most rational RSL fan. You just got lawyered by a non-lawyer, bro. Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the MLS Fantasy Insider Podcast, our review of round 7 and preview of Double Game Week Round 8. This episode is brought to you by Big Brother, reminding everyone that Twitter is the real fifth official. Uh, No, um, actually this episode is brought to you by MLSFantasyBoss.com and the awesome Reddit community of r slash fantasy MLS. I'm your host, Reed Connolly from MLSFantasyBoss.com, and tonight I'm joined by Michael Denton, Blaine Riffle, and our special guest, Tim Shaw. How are you guys doing? Doing well, Reed. Doing, doing well. Hey, doing uh, great, I, man. Thanks for having me. Of course, always. I had a little stutter right there because uh, Jason is now back in the country and was going to join us tonight, but apparently his mailbox got smashed by some youths. And he had to deal with that. So, no, Jason, but I do have some updates from him, so we'll still have him in. It, it's just an excuse, Reed. He, he's still <laughs> smarting after the double switcheroo beatdown. <laughs> just, just, once he found out I was on the pod, he just ran away. It, it, he had to leave the country. Shame. I know. It's, it's, it's horrible. It's horrible. Yep. All right. Well, guys, let's talk about round seven real quick before we get to the double game week talk. How did your teams do? Um, my team was awful. Um, I, I was doing really well until uh, Jay Watts decided to stick his hand and smack a ball out of the air. And that went for, from an eight-point uh, defender to a negative one. And I think I I was going up 100 spots, and then I dropped 400 as a result of it. So, um, yeah, that, that was pretty much the thing that killed me this week. Um, ended up with 59 points, lots of red arrows, no wins, and head-to-head. Just rough. What about you, Blaine? I ended up with 77 points, all green arrows, and up about 300 spots in the overall standings. So I, I can't complain there. Uh, made a few really good gut reaction picks this week, including adding Schweinsteiger, which... I can't complain about that at all. No, if you could. Tim? Yeah, I finished with uh, 73 points this week. My head-to-head teams, or my head-to-head team, swept uh, pretty much all the head-to-head leagues I'm in, so pretty happy about it. I actually didn't have a player score more than 10 points, other than Valeri, who had the captain's tag. But, you know, it was a nice, solid performance all around. I think my team average was 7 points, and I only had one guy kind of blank out. And that's uh, that's Chris Schuler with RSL just getting two points for me. Very nice. Uh, I did well this week myself. I had 86 points after my switcheroo. Thank you, Callens. Thank you, Mike, for your guys coming in with that that clean sheet. Um, I went all in. Well, not all in. I went heavy with Houston. Uh, I went with Kyoto, hoping that he would either get a 45 minutes of the game or come in and get some sort of late uh, addition to a score did not happen we saw the second half of houston minnesota didn't quite go as i think houston had had planned but otherwise Kleschen, valeri schweinsteiger Maram all came through for me torres long um it's good good round all green arrows for myself in the top 150 so climbing my way back up the top score for this past round was 104 the average points were 55 so if you did something above 55 i think you guys had a good game week there you go mike yeah, thank yeah, you. That's like thank my you. only consolation is I slightly beat the average. Yeah. <laughs> so I already talked about uh, Houston and, and Minnesota. Did you all and just anybody free for all answer this? Uh, what were your general impressions or surprises from this round? Um, I gotta say, DC coming into a rivalry match, and I was at the match. I was um, I was pretty lit up. Had a lot of red, white, and blue sangria before the game, so that was a good time. Ah. But they really offered nothing on the attacking end, and. You know, maybe maybe New York at home is a little bit tougher. I mean, we haven't really seen a whole lot of teams have success against them at home this year. But you would have thought they would have had at least one or two really good chances. And, and you didn't really see that this week. Well, Tim, since since you're on the podcast, I know I've read a lot this weekend about the Red Bulls going back to the 4-2-3-1. Um, since you were there, what did you see? Did it look like it improved and is going to help out Sasha and BWP going forward? Or what did you think about that? 
Yeah, I thought they uh, they looked pretty good. Um, you know, it seemed like they were kind of switching between the four two three one and the four triple two. You saw you saw Royer kind of move up a little bit further up than he normally does, but you know, for the most part, I mean, Bradley is so good with his like from where he came in the league to where he is now. He's so good with the ball at his feet and as a target man, even though he's just five foot nine, it's. It really, he really seems to thrive up there on his own, and you know he got a couple of really good looks this game, and he was able to nutmeg, nutmeg Bill Hamid for us. So yeah, it was. Uh, I'm, I'm liking their chances uh, against Columbus. Let me just say, for any new people listening to us, Tim did not make a mistake and refer to Michael Bradley. He's just on a first name basis with Bradley Wright Phillips. Oh, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> usually he calls him Brad. You gotta gotta watch out for that. He's liked a couple of my tweets. I feel like we're pretty much best friends now. Hey, you know, I, I think that's <laughs> I think that's fine. Um, Blaine, I don't know if you're going to mention this, but I'd like for someone to talk about Portland and Sporting Kansas City, and I think you're the best person to do it. Yeah, so I was going to lead off with just defenses in general. I kind of see the trend. We've been high on uh, New York City defenders. They're legit this year when they when they've got that right matchup, and then. Chicago and the Red Bulls at home, you've got to be looking at those defenses all the time now. I mean, they keep putting up good numbers at home. But yeah, uh, sporting. Um, wow, I was not expecting a clean sheet from that one. I expected Valeri to do something to unlock them at some point. But man, that defense is just on point right now. Um, yeah, don't take big names against sporting if you can help it. Even at home, um, they've been shutting everybody down this year. Yeah, it, was definitely, uh, it was definitely a risk that I was only willing to mitigate by just taking Valeri. I didn't go in with Adi, as I think so many some people may have. But I almost even didn't take Valeri because of the form that Kansas City has been showing. I was, I was bouncing back and forth, and I knew if I didn't take Valeri, he would score against Kansas City, so I put him in my team. <laughs> uh, I don't know quite that way, but... <laughs> yeah. Took one for the team there, but yeah, I mean, I was I was leaning heavily towards Miram, but ended up with Valeri instead, and really wish I could take that one back. Well, I went Valeri and Adi, thinking exactly like y'all did, that Portland at home was going to be a, a big points getter, even with Sporting Kansas City's uh, form, and I was surprised by just how bad Portland looked. Um, I was talking with Guy during the game, and he's like, I wish Portland would stop passing directly to Sporting Kansas City players. <laughs> and I think that's a, a testament to how well Sporting Kansas City had Portland planned out, and uh, Caleb Porter and Portland had no um, answers uh, to that. Um, what, Blaine brought up defenders, and I thought it was interesting. Um, Skyler from the official MLS fantasy account tweeted out today that I think um, five times out of the first seven weeks, um, there have been five defenders in the dream team. So do y'all think that they we're seeing a much more defensive league or it's better value defensively? What do y'all think about the prevalence of defenders in the dream team? I don't one think I'll notice. Oh, one thing I've noticed right away is you've got some good clean sheet potential, putting multiple guys in the team, in the dream team. But then you've got some guys that get the consistent defensive bonus points, and then you've got attacking options there. I know Matarita got, what, two assists a couple weeks ago and probably made the Dream Team off of that. Sinovic got a goal and an assist last week or two weeks ago for the Dream Team. I mean, it's just, you've, got a, you've got a lot of attacking options hitting it strong, and they're pairing that up nicely with uh, clean sheets. I think... I think getting five on the dream team that often is a little bit abnormal just with the way the offense has been running out of the back. But yeah, it's definitely a trend we could be seeing this year. One thing that stood out for me was that this week on the dream team was the first week that we saw more than two defenders from the same team appear this week. NYCFC had three players on the back line on the dream team. Well, I'm counting back line and goalkeepers. But for the most part, it's usually two teams that have multiple players. And then there's a couple sprinkled in there otherwise. And, you know, so it's not like it's a whole back line and a goalkeeper earning all these points. It's it's usually you have more options this season. You know, it seems like you have to last season it seemed like you had to kind of hit your you had to make your picks and hope to get lucky. But this time, you know, diversification doesn't seem to be a bad option. 
And I think the extra defensive bonus point that we're getting for the clean sheets now is helping add uh, a, that little extra bit that they need to to edge out some other players on the offensive side of the midfielders that may have uh, also done well, but that extra one point helps them get into the, the dream team. But I like it. It's great to see defenders going. I, I do think that the league is still offensive because we're oftentimes seeing these close games, lots of two ones, big point games. A lot of that's because of Minnesota, I guess. But I mean, <laughs> hey, it's uh, it's still been a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, before we move on, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think something that I've kind of noticed is that we haven't had a whole many, a lot of players getting braces. We've had like a few of them, but it hasn't been as many. Um, whereas, you know, you're not seeing forwards and midfielders really rack it up as frequently as we've seen sometimes in the past. Um, at least that's just what it seemed like to me. I haven't done a statistical analysis or anything like that, but it seems like there's just like less huge games and you're just kind of more average games, you know, players getting a goal, players getting an assist, not as much huge point totals as we've seen um, in years past. Well, that's a lot of players sharing in the wealth, I guess. Uh, the last thing before we move forward, any fantasy takeaways you guys want to share? I know I will go ahead and point out a couple of questions that were answered for me. Uh, Allison Drini definitely is uh, hitting a nice run of form. Uh, Mostly, I was checking to see if he could keep up his scoring and assist uh, abilities against a stronger defense. Uh, Orlando City is not the strongest defense, but they've been doing well at home, so that was nice to see him. I guess show he's the real deal with that going forward. And also, Atlanta still going in a man down against Montreal after that questionable red card. Um, they kept attacking, and I think that's definitely something that fantasy managers will want to be aware of is that even a man down, they're going to keep going at it, and that's going to be some good points, I think. Anybody else have takeaways? Um, I'll, I'll mention that I think Colorado's defense until Hoberry comes back is just not worth picking up. Um, that that was a pretty bad meltdown that they had. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to blame Watts too much on the red card, even though I bashed him a little bit earlier. Um, but, you know, to, to give up two goals like that, um, I, I'm just not sure I'm taking them uh, until Hoberry comes back. I'll double down on Colorado. I mean, it, it just seems like up the gut they've just been ravaged by injuries. So, and it's, it's tough to play in this league when people aren't able to just kind of gash you up the middle to take a phrase from uh, the NFL. Another one I'd like to point out is Minnesota, despite having a negative negative 12 goal differential, um, they have the fourth fourth most goals scored this season. So feel free to load up in their attackers, man. They As much as they give up goals, they are not strangers to putting goals in the back of the net. Ramirez Molino is potent. That, that game easily could have been 4-2 in Minnesota's favor. Oh, yeah. And, and they have a whole bunch of home games coming up because I think they've only played two at home, even though they played during the international break. So they've had kind of a rougher schedule to start. And, and now you're going to see that offense at home in front of, uh, you know, their very energetic fans. So um, I'm excited to see what Minnesota's offense can do starting against the defense. We just bashed Colorado uh, this week. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of on the Minnesota bandwagon after this week, too. I mean, the first half was a little ugly, but that second half was pretty. And the defense looked a little better. I mean, they're still, Houston probably could have gotten another one there. But they're slowly piecing it together. And a game against Colorado might be just what they need to really piece that defense together. They won't be taking as much pressure. They'll have a little more time to adjust and get used to working, to each, working with each other. And then follow that up with the San Jose game, which hit or miss on whether they're going to score big goals or not. I think Minnesota going down the stretch has got a chance to really put things together and solidify as a team over the next few weeks. Definitely. I love the Minnesota takes. Yeah. Now we're going to move on to our housekeeping. Uh, biggest news that you should have tuned into by now. Round eight is our first double game week of the year. Uh, thought a couple of weeks ago we were going to have one, had the schedule change up a little bit so round eight first double game week new england and san jose are the two teams who are playing and by far the most common question we've gotten this week guys is is it worth getting four players from each team or just loading up in general for these guys uh bland i'm going to let you answer this one first quickly before we get to our picks 
Yeah, to make it quick, my initial draft has um, four players from each team. I wanted to see what could be done with it. And I was looking for guys that I'm fairly certain are going to go at least 60 and 90 over the two games. You want to make sure they get those two points per game. A um, little harder to pull the San Jose guys just because they've got two games on the road. But New England having two games at home, looking at the numbers, I just I really like this one. Agadello playing at home twice but with DC on the second one. Really hard to pass that up. DC has been giving up goals, and I just don't think they have it together. Lee wins another one, and he's taking uh, penalties, so really hard. Cropper's probably going to be a good pick. I mean, home, get one shutout, makes it all worth it. And then uh, Godoy is pretty much the other one from San Jose that I'm sure is going to be in the team. Other than that, I'm playing around with it a little bit, but I do have eight to eight players Right now, I may drop one or two of those, but I plan on loading up. For me, I'd say New England, yes, to four. San Jose, no. Um, I could go three San Jose. My, my theory is you want to really pick players in the center of the pitch. So you got your forwards who don't really have a huge work rate. You have your holding midfielders who aren't, you know, maybe the box-to-box guys are going to do a lot of running, but your holding midfielders who kind of hang back, your Dax McCarty's, those type of guys, they're the ones that are probably going to see 90 minutes both games and center backs and goalkeepers. I mean, if you're if you're a fullback or you're on the wing, you're probably going to get a blow, whether it's, you know, only play limited minutes in one of the two games or even sit completely. It's pretty tough. Um, but I do see Lee Wynn kind of seeing a full workload. At least, you know, at least 60 minutes in both matches this week. Um, from San Jose, though, I mean, you're going to see Wando. You're going to see Godoy. They're, they're, they're going to be the full 90 both both games, I think. Mike? Yeah, I, I started off with uh, seven players, um, three San Jose, four New England. Uh, I think for New England, both of their matchups are really good. Um, you know, the midweek game... I don't think it's going to be – I think it could really be a a nil-nil draw. Uh, I would expect San Jose to kind of go in there and and really bunker to try to get a point since they're flying across the country uh, to New England for a midweek match. Um, So that pretty much mandates that you need to have uh, New England defenders at least. Um, And and then I think New England's matchup against D.C., we just talked about – you know, we heard from Tim – how DC doesn't look like they're getting goals together. They DC has not looked good on the road at all. Um, I, I don't think DC has looked good defensively or offensively. There, there are some real problems um, in in DC. So I think every, four players from New England is is pretty much a must have this week. Um, for San Jose, I really like their second match uh, against Houston. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some people um, benched for the New England matchup to rest him up. But guys like Juan Dolowski, uh, you know, um, he, he, he's, he's the kind of guy who played after like a, the game after the gold cup. I remember was it was two years ago when he played in, I think it was Philadelphia and then flew across the country and played in Seattle the next match. So he, he's going to play and at 8.5, the value for Juan Dolowski is just too good. Uh, I know a lot of people aren't big fans, but you know me and uh, T. Kelly, uh, who's a friend of the show, really f- big fans of Wondolowski. His expected goals are very, very high, and his point totals are right up there too. So uh, I think you can't go wrong with giving him two shots, even though they're both on the road. And Houston's defense has just not been good. Um, we, we kind of don't talk about that as much because of just how good their offense have been, but their defense has been pretty poor, especially on expected goals. So um, I, I have three San Jose. I have Youngworth, Godoy, and Wondolowski in my first draft. Um, I think those have all been pretty consistent bonus point getters, and that really helps push their average up so that I can feel like they're going to outscore a lot of the single game week guys. All right, and myself, I will actually answer this question uh, when I talk about New England San Jose in our first round eight preview. So moving on, Patreon. Thank you so much for everyone who's been donating with Patreon. A couple new donations came in uh, at the end of last week. Um, it, it's great to have you. We we love that you like the show. 
We love that you're enjoying the league. And most of all, I love to see the pictures that you guys send back in with the swag that we've sent out. So keep those coming. It's great. If you do want to donate or want to know what this Patreon thing is, uh, Patreon is sort of like crowdsourcing to help fund our show. We have expenses for hosting. We have expenses for recording, just all the things that we need to do. Expenses for prizes that we use to provide to everyone who participates in our league. The donations that we get 100% go back in to fund this show and making it possible and making it fun. So if you like what you hear and you want to donate, head on over to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash M-L-S-F-I and considering giving us a little donation. Uh, you can give as little as you want. A dollar is fine. If you give us three, I'll send you a sticker. So it's awesome. You can stick it someplace. Tim put it in a stadium. That's right. Red Bull Arena. It's great. So, Patreon.com, thank you so much for everyone who continues to support us. And now, the injury report. Mike. Okay, well, the most recent news we have is Kyrie Shelton from New York City. He's out four to six weeks with a hamstring injury he picked up at the end of the Philadelphia game. So, he'll be out for a while. Um, Last week, I think Reed asked if there were any weeks that didn't have any red cards. Well, it sure as heck wasn't this week. We had three of them. Gonzalez Perez for Atlanta, um, uh, Watson for New England Revolution, and then Watts for Colorado Rapids. Uh, Don't think there's much dispute about any one of those except for Gonzalez Perez. Uh, There's a lot of controversy about that one. That one might be rescinded. The other ones I would not expect it. But as of right now, they're all three suspended. Gonzalez Perez expect an announcement by Disco, um, hopefully before Wednesday. Um, Speaking of Disco, um, Tim Howard was suspended for three games because he said some um, foul language towards a fan, and it got posted on Twitter. Um, So he'll be out for the next two matches. Hey, Mike, I want to jump in on this one. I want to clarify something here because there's been a lot of false information going around. Yes, Howard did say something offensive to a fan, but in the tunnel where fans are allowed to be, they're usually behind a rope, they get to watch the players enter and leave the field. Howard did actually physically touch a fan who he was upset with. So the suspension, I think, is less for the language and more for putting his hands on a fan. Gotcha. See, I, had, I hadn't heard that, and that wasn't part of what disciplinary committee put out, because they put it out for the language specifically, if, if I remember oh. right. They couldn't find the video of the security for the second incident. I know there were some rumors I, about that. And then maybe that that's what happened. That probably is – maybe they suspected it, and that's why the, the ban is so severe because um, you would expect just a language one to be a, a game, not three. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe like, they kind of believed it, but they couldn't <clears throat> – Well, the players' video. union kind of backed that one up too. Yeah, the players' union went on, on the language stuff. Um. So I, I don't know how much MLS actually brought to the hearing. Uh, we kind of know the past week they've had some issues with their suspensions and just kind of going overboard um, with that Montreal player that they suspended and then unsuspended because they didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so Howard, um, but there's no appeal on that suspension. It's already gone through. So two more games for Tim Howard after uh, missing this week. Um Robbie Rogers for the LA Galaxy, he is probably going to be put on the uh, injury reserve soon. Um, He's had some nerve problem in his foot that's just not healing. Um, So he's going to be out for the year for LA Galaxy. Burnbaum for DC, uh, he sustained a concussion. Uh, He was stretchered off. No no timetable on when he would return. I'm guessing probably misses this next week. But we'll see uh, where exactly his timetable and how he recovers from the concussion and that goes along. Ridgewell for, Port- uh, for Portland should return soon. He's back in training, just kind of get his fitness up because I think he was injured in match one. He'll be uh, returning, I don't know, about this week. Uh, we'll see um, up to dates, updates from Portland about that. Schuler from Minnesota, he left early with an injury. Not quite sure what it was, uh, but he was subbed off early. Alvbaj for Minnesota, he got a knee to the head. He left early. Uh, Shuttleworth. Um, replaced him. Um, let's see. Actually, I think I got that mixed up. I think that Shuttleworth got the knee in the head. Alvbaj replaced him. Sorry about yes. that. Um, <laughs> Plata, he was out with a quote quad injury. Um, 
I don't know when he'll return. I, I suspect he'll be fine for this week, but we'll see. Niarco, he suffered a hamstring injury for DC United. Uh, no timetable yet, but I'm guessing he probably misses another game or two. Cabrera, he left uh, Montreal's match with an injury. No timetable yet. Uh, Mears missed for Atlanta United with a right ankle injury. Uh, Akam missed for Colorado with a right hip pain. Not quite sure what exactly the issue is or what the timeline is. And then finally, one of the bigger ones from last week is Drew Moore is out for an indefinite period with an irregular heartbeat. Uh, I think we remember from Clint Dempsey's time with this, you're not really sure how long it's going to last. Obviously, we hope for the best for Drew. But for fantasy-wise, he's not an option until you actually see him on the field or you hear something uh, different. So that's the injury report, unless you all caught something I missed. All right. Thank you so much, Mike, for doing that. And yes, again, to reiterate, we do send our best wishes out to Drew Moore and hope him a speedy recovery. Moving on to round eight. Time to break down these games, game by game. The first one is New England versus San Jose. Uh, so the way I see this, this I don't know if this is the time to go all in with double game week players from both sides. Uh, I think that this is a game we could see New England and San Jose both hold off on because it's not really important to their conference standings. Uh, they're playing playing across East and West. I could see them waiting to really throw all in against Houston and against DC, which is going to matter for the playoffs at the end of the year. So if if you're looking for, like Blaine was saying, a 90-60 game split, this is the game where you may see that 60 and not get that full full 90 minutes worth of potential points. That being said, uh, I think New England is still worth investing in. Um, New England's only allowed two goals at home during their two home games. San Jose has only scored two goals on, on the road during their two away games. So I, I think there's a good potential for New England to get a clean sheet here, but also a good shot for New England or for uh, San Jose to get a goal. I see this going maybe 2-1 New England or 1-1 draw. Uh, I don't think New England loses this one. So Cropper is, of course, I think the standout goalkeeper for this round. Uh, a very value price of 4.0 with two games. It's it's a great shot. Um, when Agadello... Um, on defense, if you got money, you're looking at Delamea, maybe, um, I don't know who you're going to have after that. Depends on if you like offensive or not. But see who see who is in the starting lineup for this game. Defenders and goalkeepers are obviously the players least likely to rotate during a double game week. But I, I, don't, I don't like any San Jose players from this game. Well, actually, no, maybe Youngworth. Uh, he has good bonus points when um, even without a clean sheet. I think the big question is Godoy, though, and we were talking about that before the show started. I understand uh, Blaine and I were. I understand Blaine's point of view that if you have two games, if you get a four and a five, that's still nine points, and that can be a, a great score for a defender. I'm looking at that being a score that you can get as a single game week player with just a clean sheet. So I don't know if that is going to help you with value gain. Uh, maybe it's okay for, for your just points in general. But for me, for a team with two away games, I am not high on San Jose, but I do like New England for this round. Tim, Toronto versus Chicago. So, Chicago. How far we've come. They're the talk of the league right now. Bastion, Swein, Bastion, Bastion Schweinsteiger. I'm troubles with the SH sound today. They are doing phenomenally with him kind of leading the attack. He, he really moved pretty far forward this game. He was a true number 10, whereas he was kind of a box-to-box guy the last two weeks. Um, he's really been the springboard for them. However, they have not exactly been tested on the road. Week one against Columbus, they were on the road. They they were all right, you know. They weren't they weren't great, but again, it was the first game of the season. You know, they travel to Atlanta and they get a red card within the first ten minutes. So that that game's pretty much you know you can't even consider that. At home, they've been phenomenal, but we don't know how they're going to be on the road. As much as we want to jump on the bandwagon, I'm personally going to hold off at least one more week, maybe two. You know, I don't know if I want to load up in them going up against the Red Bulls, but. You know, Schweinsteiger and McCarty, you know, they're going to rack up bonus points at a minimum um, on the attacking, on the, at the forward position. You know, David Akam is always a fun name to play. Um, 
Solonyak, he, he's not getting a lot of minutes, but he's putting the ball in the back of the net. So maybe we'll see him, you know, get some play. Nikolic has been has been fantastic. Um, defensively, who knows? I mean, let's let's look at the other side of the pitch. We've got we've got Javinko, who's you know having a little trouble finding the back of the net right now. But I mean, shoot, he he attempted eight shots last week, and and when he's not able to finish them, you know who's going to be there for the rebounds? Josie. You know, it's those two guys are a menace up top. Um, who is it? Victor Vasquez. He's been he's been very productive as well recently. Michael Bradley's always solid. He's he's been great as always. You know, linking the uh, the defense to the attack, and you know they haven't exactly missed Drew Moore too much on the defensive end. Um, you know, he's got a hard arrhythmia, but they they've been able to kind of hang out and and operate within a uh, with a just three on the back line. So I uh, I'm predicting a two one victory for Toronto here at home. Uh, maybe a two-two draw if Chicago is able to keep up with the uh, with the attacking pressure, but you know it should be a fun game. Should be a little more wide open than Chicago has been in the past few years, and uh, I think we're really going to get a feel for how they're going to look this season. Great, Blaine, Philadelphia versus Montreal. Yeah, this one should be a fun one. This is two teams desperately in need of a win. I mean, I know Montreal got one, but they really need to keep it going. And playing on the road, I mean, it's a good time to make up some ground in the Eastern Conference. And Philadelphia, I mean, they were supposed to be a hot team coming in. And just two points after six games, I mean, they've got a lot of work to do if they want to get back in this. Um, I can see both teams really playing hard for this one. Uh, With Piotti back, I don't trust Philadelphia's defense at home anymore for this one. But, yeah, it's just this could be interesting I'm expecting probably a 1-1 game here. Um, if anybody gets a clean sheet, it's, I want to say it's going to be Montreal. I just don't think Philly has that real scoring threat this week. Um, Sapong really came off the bench strong, but now that they've put him back as, star- as a starter, he's not getting quite the same production. So really hard to pin this one down. Um, if I wanted to pick a couple fantasy guys, I'd have a hard time. I mean, I just, Piatti on the road just doesn't quite cut it with some of the other matchups, so I don't really have anybody I'm looking for at this game. I just think this one's going to be enjoyable to watch. Fair enough. Mike, Houston, San Jose. Well, I think uh, this is going to be an interesting one because Houston has had so much success this year playing against teams that want to possess the ball. So Houston's main style of attack is getting a turnover, and then transitioning really quickly and, and counterattacking. And they've done it really, really well. Um, Alex has been very good about getting the ball up, switching the field uh, in a way that really confuses defenses and given Cubo Torres um, some really great opportunities that he's generally taken advantage of. That changes with playing San Jose. San Jose, as we all know, with Dom Kinnear, is not a team that is going to want to possess the ball. They're going to want to sit back, bunker, and make their own counterattacks. So I think even though Houston has had so much success this year, I don't think that they're going to do very well in this game. I think this is actually a game where, depending on what happens midweek, um, I think that San Jose could actually win this game. Um, one of the reasons I have Wondolowski in my team is for this match. So I, I think if you're kind of hesitant about San Jose uh, players like Wondolowski, I think this match against Houston with their poor uh, expected goals, I, I think this is the match to do it. So um, I, I think this is 1-1, one, one, um, maybe 1-0 one, in favor of San Jose. Um, just because I, I don't think this style really fits what Houston is trying to do, and I think Houston's going to be very frustrated at the end and end of the night. Blaine, back to you for Portland, Vancouver. Oh, Cascadia matchups are always fun, and That's both right. teams usually bring their best. Uh, when Vancouver is playing at their best, I think they can beat almost anybody in the league, especially with uh, Freddie Montero up there. If he can keep doing what he did this week, I'm going to be really hard to beat them. But it is Portland at home. Uh, this game goes Portland's way in the end. Um, I could see this being a 3-2 game or a 3-1 game for Portland. Um, really high on Valeri and Adi. I just don't think Vancouver's defense is quite what it once was. Um, 
I expect at least a brace somewhere on the Portland side of the ball, but be warned it's Cascadia. The the away team can show up just as well as the home team. Okay, now we're going to New England versus D.C. So we all know that D.C. is experiencing hard times, and this is especially true on the road. Um, I, I think this is the game where New England is going to be best served, served bringing its A-plus team, uh, saving the legs for this. Like I said, this is the conference game. This is the game that New England needs to win to have a shot at the playoffs. So if you're getting New England players, as I said before, it's for this game. I think... New England can get a can get two goals out of this game. Um, DC, maybe they can sneak one in. I can see this going 2-0. If it goes 2-1, uh, might not be surprised, but um, I think New England's got a great shot at this. Again, if you're getting New England players, then you should already have Cropper, uh, Delamea, Agadello, uh, Kamara. Agadello, Kamara, that's a toss-up for me. I think that you could check and see who's starting in the first game with uh, New England-San Jose to see who might have a better shot at getting full minutes in this. If they both start, I would lean towards Agadello uh, just for some of the better production that he's had more recently with that forward. Uh, and, of course, uh, Wynn. I didn't mention that. That's a guy who I think if you want New England players, you have to have him for this round. No DC players for me. I am just not not great with their chances for for this round. I wanted to ask y'all, since we're probably going to get questions on Twitter later this week, um, do y'all prefer Dalamia or Jay Smith uh, for defense for New England? If you can afford him, Dalamia is going to be the better option. But if you're looking for that budget defender, uh, Smith's going to be good. I worry a little bit about rotation with him being the young guy. I still think he's worth the risk at that price, especially if you think you can get the clean sheet in the first game of the of the round i mean the one clean sheet makes it all worth it but de la may is definitely your better option for uh going 90 twice yeah de la may is at six if you want something slightly cheaper then you probably look at Farrell. he probably has a great shot as well at going the the full 90 uh, in both games but de la may has a better cbi production so without the clean sheet he's the one who is more likely to get a higher score just based on bonus points yeah, couldn't have said it any better. I mean, you got to go with the guy who's going to get the full 90 both times. I mean, maybe if it wasn't a double game week, it'd be a different story, but got to go Dale May here. Okay, Tim, tell us about uh, New York Red Bulls versus Columbus. Happy to. So uh, let's get started with Columbus. Um, much like Chicago, they aren't really a team that's been tested on the road. You know, they had the they had their opener against Houston where they had a red card and they were just playing down and Houston, you know, ended up beating them 3-1, to one, but... You know, any game where there's a red card, I just kind of throw that one out and ignore it. And immediately after, they played D.C. on the road. And, I mean, you know, we've seen how D.C. has played this year, much to my, uh, much to my, well, let's let's just say I've taken a lot of joy out of that. FDC, <laughs> as they say at Red Bull Arena. <laughs> <laughs> so, really, all they've done is played Chicago on the road where they lost one to nothing. At home, they've been great, sure. On the road, eh, not, I don't think they've played all that well. I mean, you know, in terms of if you want to go with a, a Columbus player, if you feel like the Red Bulls are finally going to, you know, break down a home, you know, I'd say you got to go Justin Merrim. Um, but Iguain has also averaged a little over eight points over the last four games that he's played in. So, you know, I, I think the Columbus midfielders, you can't go wrong. Um, Ola Kamara could be a bit of a differential. He, he finally got back on the scoreboard last week. But, you know, with the Red Bulls at home, I, I wouldn't really rely on any of their defenders. And on the Red Bull side, in a week where there are two teams with double game weeks, you probably aren't going to have a lot of their players on your team. But if you do, I'd say Robles at goal. At goal. Uh, Aaron Long has been phenomenal in the back for them. You got to go Sasha Question in the midfield and at forward. You got to go Bradley. And uh, for a score, I'm going to say 2 1 Red Bulls. Bradley, Bradley Red Phillips with a brace. Okay. Blaine, Dallas Sporting Kansas City. Oh, this one will be fun. Um, first time, this is actually the second game of the season for these two teams, and the first one was about as ugly as they come for a nil-nil draw. Um, playing in Dallas with all the Dallas players back, that's going to be a real test for Sporting's defense. Um, 
I don't necessarily like the clean sheet potential for sporting in this one. And this will be the best defense I think Kansas City's played all season. So if you're looking for clean sheets outside of the double game week players, uh, this is one of your better matchups for it. I know Sporting has been getting stronger on the attack, but I still don't like their attacking options against Zimmerman and Hedges. I think either one of those two guys could really step up and shine this week. But the real guy that scares me as a Sporting fan is uh, Kellen Acosta this week. I think Sporting does a great job of neutralizing the key playmakers on the opposing teams, but Acosta comes from deeper, and the deeper players are usually left a little more open with the way Sporting plays. If he can get some space just outside the box, I expect him to do some real damage this week. Um, For a scoreline, as much as I hate to say it, 1-0 Dallas. And if you're going to look at Anybody from Sporting, it's probably Madranda this one this week again. He's just been too good for the price and playing out of position. So that's that's my rundown on this one. So what you're saying is it's going to be one nothing Dallas, and that one goal is going to come after the 60th minute when Madranda gets subbed out, and so he still gets his clean sheet. Something like that, uh. as, as has been his pattern so far. <laughs> And resulted in a loss for me head-to-head. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Our next game is RSL versus Atlanta. So, of course, I'm filling in for Jason with this one. I I hope I do do you justice. Uh, Unfortunately, though, uh, RSL just barely beat Colorado, and that was after they went down to 10 men uh, with that that handball. And uh, Atlanta gave Montreal a run for their money with only 10 men for much of the game, at least half of the game. So I don't think this is good news for RSL. Um, And uh, I can see this as a potential away team win, especially with Atlanta having a sod back in the mix. Even without uh, Gonzalez back there, uh, I, especially if he gets the red card off and he's back, but even without him, uh, I think that Atlanta still has plenty of defensive talent that they can draw from. So I think it's going to be hard for Real Salt Lake to score, even at home, uh, especially if Plata does not play or if he comes in later in the game. I think they really need him to unlock that. I can see this game being uh, 0-2 for Atlanta. And the usual suspects as far as fantasy standouts, uh, Almiron and uh, Vialba. Mike, New York City, Orlando. Well, this is another one this week that is a rematch. Um, last time, Orlando won in the stadium opener, uh, won nothing. I, I would expect a similar tight game uh, this week. Uh, or the, You're looking at a matchup defensively. Um, New York City has 0.9 expected goals against. Orlando has 1.18 expected goals against. Those are both, I think, maybe top five defenses this year. Uh, I would expect a very defensive matchup, maybe one nothing, one one. Um, obviously, Callens or our moderator or, or clean sheet potentials, just with how well New York City's defense is playing. Um, offensively, um, I, I don't know if he's a great option this match, just because of the other options. But uh, David Villa, as usual, he, he's you know we saw what he did last week which i can't believe we've gone 50 minutes into the podcast without mentioning the fact that david via scored in the 90th minute from midfield and oh it's beautiful uh, i could watch that all on loop all weekend and actually that's probably how i spent my weekend um just watching that over and over again but yeah i mean i think for fantasy i, I don't know that you're really going to want via or laren this week uh, i think there's probably better options if you're really looking for anyone this week uh, I think it's uh, in the de- in defense. I think Callens or a moderator or, or someone like, you know, on, on the New York City's back line since they're at home. If you want to get risky Orlando, but you're probably not going to do that with the double game week players. So you, uh, outside of defense, I think with the double game week sucking out so many other options, I don't think this is a great um, place to go with. I would look, you know, elsewhere for offensive options. Blaine, L.A. versus Seattle. Yeah, so... I think this game really hinges on whether Roman Torres is back. I would expect him to be back after this, but I wouldn't be I wouldn't be sure on that. Um, I really do like this matchup. I think there's uh, goals to be had here, as we've talked about it. Alessandrini is just coming into his own. I think he's good. I think he's the only focal point this team has in LA right now. 
all the plays are going through him. So I expect him to keep putting up good fantasy points as long as he's going to keep, as long as the team doesn't have a real second option. Um, I would expect Giovanni Dos Santos to come on at some point, but until then you got to ride with him. Um, but this, this is still a good Seattle team. I think they've got a couple goals in them for this week, especially if Torres is back. That'll really solidify the defense and let them play a little more forward. If you're going to look at fantasy options here from Seattle, I mean, you got to look at Ladero. LA's defense hasn't been the greatest. I know they're at home. That does help them out quite a bit. But I think Ladero can get something done. Um, really, my big concern with Seattle is how well the big three are playing together. I know last year... Uh, Dempsey and Morris both looked really good, and then Dempsey got hurt with the, or had the heart in, heart condition, had to take a step back, and that brought Ladero in. I think when you've got two of them on the field, they do really well together. There's a lot of fantasy potential for them. With all three of them on the field, I feel like they're almost getting in each other's way. So it's really hard to judge Seattle at this point. And Tim, wrap it up with Minnesota, Colorado. All right. Let's do it. Um, you know, we spoke about Colorado a little bit earlier. They are just, they are just, in, they they they're a mess. You know, they they've got a ton of injuries. Tim Howard's gone. They can't score the ball. Or they can't score any goals. They they can barely get the ball forward. It's it's not looking good out in Denver. Um, but they are playing Minnesota, and Kevin Doyle has scored two goals, one goal each over his last two games. So. If you're looking for a differential option for that head-to-head league, maybe you look at him because even though I think Minnesota wins 3-1 to one or 4-2, to two, I think Kevin Doyle will score a goal here and uh, make it three straight. And on the Minnesota side, I mean, you know, we mentioned it before. Uh, Kevin Molino, Johan Benegas, or sorry, Kevin Molino and, uh, and Christian Ramirez are, I mean, you want to talk about chemistry. Like, they're, they've been fantastic. And Venegas also is on my list here. He... Uh, you know, at four at seven point five, he's a he's a decent option. I mean, you know what? He's averaged six points over his last three games. He could be your fifth midfielder if you go that route. So, you know, there are goals to be had here. And you know, you, while I'm still going to stick with four New England players and probably a few San Jose players, I'm probably going to get at least either Molino or or Ramirez out of my team. Very nice. And I will go back real quick. Blaine, do you have a score prediction for LA Seattle? Uh, 2-2. Okay. 2-2. All right, there we have it. Those are all of the insights that we have for all the upcoming games. Before we move on, do any of you guys want to make a comment about one of the games that we didn't get said? Speak now or forever hold your peace. Holding that peace. All right. Well, let's move on to player picks, keepers. Uh, I, as I said, will be filling in with Jason. He sent me what his thoughts were. So for keeper, he is looking at Cropper as the starter uh, with the backup of Diop. Mike? I have the exact same thing. I think Cropper is probably a must-have this week with his price, two home games, uh, especially both the offensively challenged teams. I, I can't imagine why you wouldn't have Cropper this week. Yeah, got to agree. I mean, maybe if you could afford Louis Robles – you know, stick them on the bench, have them uh, have them get you some points or some maybe a potential increase in value. But other than that, Cropper's got to be the way to go here. Yeah, I'm going Cropper in a scrub. I don't like Diop's matchup this week. I think he's going to get scored on, and I don't want his va- I don't want to take the value hit. So I'm just going to take a scrub and rely on Cropper to carry it all. All right, Mike, who do you like for defense? Uh, right now, um, I have. Four defenders. Uh, I'll probably only start three of them, but I'm still trying to figure out who I'm, I'm going to go with. But right now on my team, I have um, for double game week players, I have Jay Smith for the budget option, uh, Youngworth from San Jose, and then I have uh, Long from the New York Red Bulls, and then Figueroa from Dallas. Tim. So I've got I've got Farrell, I've got Lima as my double game week players. I've got Ike Opara and Atiba Harris. I'm hoping that maybe one of them will increase in value. Or maybe both of them if we see a 0-0 draw between SKC and Dallas. And then I've got Dennis Castillo from Colorado as a switcheroo for two players that I will name uh, later on in this preview. <laughs> Blaine. I've got Smith, Lima, and Madranda as my three right now, um, toying with a couple other options. But right now I'm just looking at putting the 
value players in the back and hope for the best. It's been a good strategy for many so far. Jason has Lima, Youngworth, uh, De La Mea. He's also got uh, Smith on his bench. And Tim, who do you like in midfield? Sure. Um, you know, Lee Wynn is has got to be the guy this week. I mean, he, he plays double game weeks we saw last season. So I've got him. I've got my boy Sasha Kleschen, of course. Um, Allison Drini, magnificent form. Got to keep him out there. And I've got uh, Annabelle Godoy as my fourth. With Jack Harrison on the bench as my fifth, he's going to be a switcheroo with Christian Ramirez up top. Mm-hmm. Blaine? Yeah, so uh, Lee Wynn and Annabal Godoy are kind of headlighting this one. I think they do really well in the double game week. I really think they're must-haves at this point. I know some people disagree, but it's really hard to argue with the production they've had. Um, to back them up, I have Valeri and Molino on my, on my roster. And Vasquez is floating around on my team from uh, Toronto. I think he can do some work against Chicago in a switcheroo spot. But yeah, Valeri and Molino, I think, have two of the best matchups for the non-double game week players. And so they're they're in there right now. Mike? Uh, well, I have Godoy and Wynn also. Um I have a very different rest of the midfield. I have five midfielders this week with Molino, Valeri, and Kleshin. I think all of them have pretty good matchups uh, at home, and I think Kleshin's production uh, bonus points is, is just too hard to pass down, especially when he's at home. And with Jesse Marsh seeming to finally figure out that he needs to play Sasha centrally in a 4-2-3-1 more often than a 4-2-2-2. So, um, yeah, I have Molino, Valeri, Kleshin, Godoy, and Wynn. And then Jason has Godoy, Question, Valeri, and Wynn as well. And forwards, Blaine. So, yeah, I was really high on Agadello f- at the start of the show. Um, he's still got that starting spot. Really looking at Wondolowski as just double game week. I think he gets a goal there. Goal every other game for him is not out of the question. Um my third forward, though, because I really am planning on running a 3-4-3 this week, is uh, Ramirez. But I may switch Aru, Vasquez, and Ramirez and see how that game goes against Chicago for Toronto and then throw in Ramirez because I really don't think Colorado can stop him. Jason? Oh, Jason's me. <laughs> I forgot. See, this, he just messed it all up. Uh, Jason has Wando, Villa, and Kai Kamara. Mike. Uh, I just have two up top. Uh, I have Agadello and TK's favorite, Wondolowski. Tim. I've got the aforementioned Ramirez. Um, I also have Wando. He's, I can see him scoring a goal in each game this weekend. And uh, right now I have Agudelo, but I just, I'm not convinced that he's going to get the minutes. So I may reshuffle my lineup and try to get Kai Kamara in there because a lower work rate means he'll probably see the brunt of the minutes up there. <laughs> Yeah, I agree on Agadella. I really want to see the starting lineup uh, for New England before I finalize that. Um, this is a week you definitely want to see what New England puts out. Um, if Agadella is not in there, I, I don't know if I would have him in my team. I'll probably shuffle stuff around. Um, but yeah, he's definitely a rotation risk. Oh, yeah. And finally, captains. Jason is going with Lee Wynn. Mike? I got the same. I think Lee Wynn, two home games. Um especially again with that DC matchup. It's it's just the highest potential. And unlike say someone like Agudelo or Kai Kamara, he's not going to have the rotation risk. So uh, I think it's Lee win this week. Tim? I am so very tempted to put Wando as the captain because I just know it's going to be a good differential pick, but... Lee win DC at home over the weekend. I just can't, I can't not do it. Got to do it, guys. <laughs> got to do it. Blaine. I'll finish it off with a sweep. It's got to be Lee win this week. I mean, there's some de- decent differential oper- or options out there, but if you miss losing that much ground on the pack, just isn't worth it. You got to go with where everybody's going to be at, and that's Lee win. We saw this last week with Torres with so many people going with him. He was an okay captain, but uh, yeah, definitely there would have been better options. 
So Lee win all around. Uh, I hope everyone enjoyed these picks and game breakdowns. I hope you find them helpful. Uh, if you have any thoughts or comments, feel free to respond to any of us on Twitter or to the at MLSFI Twitter account. Moving on to our community time, the top scorer for the R slash Fantasy MLS League was Jonathan Densa, manager of Put a Ring on It, who scored 98 points. So congrats, man. Uh, just a few shy, top score 104, so way to represent. Good job. Uh, now for the Patreon top score or the, the leader in the Patreon League, uh, Blaine, I think you have this one. Yeah, so uh, didn't know this guy was a Patreon. I've been playing with him in a league for a couple of years now. Um, RJ Gage of Law Dogs FC is leading the Patreon League with a 6-0 unbeaten record right now. 449 points, which I know is not top in among the Patreon players, but that 6-0 definitely is. I think that edges you out, Reed. Uh, well, just he's, game. he's just barely getting me out. Yeah, there are three of us that are 5-0-1, and, and so we're right on his heels. But yeah, good matchups, and um, great to see one of my buddies uh, uh, lead, leading that league right now. Yeah, congrats, man. And now my favorite head-to-head league, the MLS FI Hosts Head-to-Head League. So this first game, Mike, how'd they go out for you? Not well. Um, I would have won this had Watts um, not had the handball, but, I mean, that changed it, and then I ended up dropping it uh, by two points to Ivan. So good match to him. Uh, next we had Guy Sanchez versus Phil, and Guy lost that one again. Pretty close one, 63-70, so lots of tight scores this round. Uh, next, Blaine, your game. Yeah, I hit my 77 was good enough to beat Andrew, who had 68 this week. I was really nervous going to that last game when you can see the rosters. He had Valeri and Adi both in the lineup. I think Valeri was his captain. So, I mean, I was afraid that there was going to be the goal and the assist right there. And, I mean, that 11 points would have put him over if it was a Valeri assist to an Adi header. But, thankfully, Sporting held out, and I got the win. He chose poorly. Uh, next, we had the big match. Uh, you know, I think this is why Jason decided not to come. Uh, Fantasy Football oh. 24-7 versus Jason. Jason got, can we say smoked? I don't know, 75-63. to 63, Jason lost. Uh, I'm even willing to bet that it may have been Fantasy Football 24-7 who knocked down Jason's mailbox. <laughs> oh. He probably uh, did it while yelling, there's no double switcheroo. <laughs> exactly. exactly. That, that's what it was. People who are, if you don't like the double switcheroo, don't knock down Jason's mailbox. Come on. Come on. Yeah, there's so many uh, other better ways to troll Jason. There are. There are so much better ways. The next game was uh, my game versus Ben Bear from MLS, and I beat Ben 86 to 73. So good good game there to, to Ben. Thank you very much. Uh, next, we had Simon versus Andrew Weeby, and Andrew's kind of been our taco this year. Unfortunately, that did not help Simon, who <laughs> lost 57-56. So rough game for Sir Meowly right there. And the one thing defined- that Andrew could win, he won the one matchup. <laughs> Just to point out, those were the two lowest scores in the league yep. this week. Both over the average, though, I will I will add. Still above average. Yeah. Uh, and then, Tim, you had the last game. I did. I, uh, I took down our good friend Travis Luscombe, 73-62. to 62, And uh, I'm sorry, Travis. Uh, let me make it up to you by playing a quick game of Rocket League with you at some time. Oh, snap. There it is. Uh, so that's how it went down in round seven. Uh, I am still... At the top of the league right now, I think I have a game in hand. So even if I do lose next week, I I can still hold on to this for a little (laughs) bit longer. I'm enjoying it while it lasts. Next week, I take on Fantasy Football 24-7, which will be a tough game, to say the least. Uh, Jason is taking on Andrew. Uh, Blaine is taking on Guy. Phil is taking on Mike. Ivan is taking on Travis. And Ivan's with Fantasy Football first. Uh, Tim is taking on Andrew Wiebe from MLS, and then Simon is taking on Ben Bear, also from MLS. So some fun games. Tune in for those next week. And now we're at the end of the show. Guys, anything you would like to plug before we go? We'll let you go first, Tim, since you're our guest. Sure. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, you can find me at Soccer Captains and at www.soccercaptains.com. going to be posting my picks for the week tomorrow. And remember, guys, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday. Make sure your lineups are set by then. Definitely. Uh, Blaine, you, uh, you and Mike want to have anything? 
Yeah, I'll give a shout out to Last Word on Sports or LastWordOnSoccer.com website. They're my other home when I write. Um, haven't been able to get to it as much as I would like to, but they're still putting out good content every week. Got to give props to the to my other venue when I can. Um, I would just shout out um, Blaine and I had a matchup this week in uh, our draft league, <laughs> and due to the fact that I was so bad starting off in initially drafting that I was first on the waiver wire for Bastion Schweinsteiger, uh, I won it. <laughs> 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 That's the only yeah. good fantasy thing I've done did all week was that that draft week. <laughs> well done. Well done. <laughs> so sorry, Blaine. I, I I got you back for your beating pounding me in the head to head league for this. Oh week. no, it's. I, it's all good. I wrote all that draft content, and now I'm one of the worst players in that league. <laughs> hey, when that happens. It's it's tough. Draft is a whole different beast of its own. Uh, and, of course, you can catch what I do over at MLSsoccer.com with the official fantasy articles. I have my top 50 out already, and my player picks will be coming out in a couple of days. You can also catch me uh, guest guesting on, I guess I don't know how we would say that, as a guest spot on the United States of Soccer with Jason Davis over at SiriusXM. And please check out r slash fantasy MLS and MLSFantasyBoss.com to see all of the articles that will be coming out as we lead up to, as Tim said, this Wednesday 7.30 start date for the double game week. Don't get caught by that. And join in all the great chat and conversation that goes on before that. So with all that being said, good luck. <laughs>